Welcome to the Solarpreneur Podcast, where we teach you to take your solar business to the next level. My name is Taylor Armstrong, and I went from $50 in my bank account and struggling for groceries to closing 150 deals in a year and cracking the code on why sales reps fail. I teach you how to avoid the mistakes I made and bring in the top solar dogs of the industry to let you in on the secrets of generating more leads, following up like a pro, and closing more deals. What is a solarpreneur, you might ask? A solarpreneur is a new breed of solar pro that is willing to do whatever it takes to achieve mastery, and you are about to become one. Okay, what's going on, everybody? We are here live at Door to Door Con 2023. Got my man Tanner Williams in the house. Tanner, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast Absolutely, with man. us today. Stoked to be here. Been watching the, well, I guess, listening to the podcast for years now. So it's a, yeah. it's kind of surreal to be on it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. And yeah, one of my uh, proudest moments came last year when we were on a knock start call together, the group that we're in. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Tanner was like, I think leading one of the calls, asking you questions, and he actually like gave the podcast a shout out in one of your calls. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Holy cow, this guy is actually shouting out <laughs> something that I said on the podcast. I'm like, wow, that's freaking awesome. So, yeah. so I've got to thank you for giving me the shout out. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely one of my proud moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys have been awesome. I remember I was out in Denver. We had just launched Aptive Solar, and I had like hardly any idea of what I was doing. I was trying to teach you guys as well, and I would listen to your podcast over and over, and every episode would come out. And, listen to it listen to it that's yeah, been awesome so i owe you guys a lot <laughs> yeah, appreciate that but yeah man i've learned a lot from you too and just being a knockstar with you and oh, yeah. seeing you take off it's been pretty incredible what you've done so thanks man for those that don't know um you do want to give a little bit of your background and aptive solar and kind of how that got rolling and everything yeah. you're doing over there cool. yeah so i got into door-to-door 2017 i did a little like four week summer with hawk switched over to aptive and did four years of pest with them okay. and and um, I was like, I wasn't a terrible rep. I wasn't like a god by any means. I just, you know, a little bit above average, I think. And then wanted to get into solar and had buddies that were making just stupid money watching them work way less than I was. And I was like a little jealous. So started uh, looking into some solar companies, looked around at a ton, went on a blitz. And I was like, yeah, solar is definitely what I want to do. And um, at the time, Connor Ruggio, who was the president of sales at Aptiv, mm-hmm. he um, he had been thinking about how do we get involved in solar because he was seeing the economic trend as well and how just how dominant of a space it was. And so he uh, came to me. It was kind of, I was just right, right time, right place. It was me and a couple of the guys that were either involved in solar already or who were thinking about getting involved in solar but had also worked at Aptive. And we started Aptive Solar then and nice. that was about two years ago. And yeah, now, now we're still just growing, trucking along. So it's been super yeah. fun. Yeah, That's cool. Did it get complicated? Because like, I know they probably didn't want to be like oh you guys all do they obviously want to keep guys doing pest control and all that right yeah so how do they do that where it's like not bringing guys from pests and stuff right well because they want to avoid you know there was a lot of drama i think with the whole vivant thing and when that switched over right but um i think they wanted to definitely avoid that there were some guys that were just definitely going to do solar regardless and so the mindset was might as well do it here um but now we've kind of gone into a so, you know, in the early days, some people just kind of switch completely over into it. Now they kind of do it to where they do a pest hybrid and they allow pest reps to be involved in both solar and pest control, uh, which is really cool for the reps. I just focus on purely solar. Yeah. That's my thing, but okay. but to each their own. So they get to participate in all of it, which is cool. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Is it like they do pests in the summer and then solar after the summer? It's kind of more they like they go out and they sell pest control and then they can set a solar lead 
yeah. um, as well. And then closers can go by and close it. Or now we're actually working with a lot of the team leaders of those pest control teams to be trained to close as well. Okay. So uh, just uh, just a lead generation essentially through okay. the pest program as well. Okay. Maximizes their earning potential. They can sell some solar and still sell what they know and what they've done for a long time. Yeah, that's yeah. fire. That's cool. And yeah, you guys have grown it like crazy. And um, yeah, just see Knockstar, how many? Uh, did you just... I think, can't remember. You won the Knockstar competition that one time, right? Yeah, the oh my gosh, was it the draft? No, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, one of them. Okay. Back in the back in the, it was like right in the beginning of the summer. It ended in June. Um, won that one. That was super cool. Okay. Super high competition with like Austin, Melissa, all those guys. Yeah, you guys they were freaking were throwing down. So I know. super motivating when you have those guys <laughs> to yeah. compete with. <laughs> I know. Yeah, those guys are dogs. Yeah, crazy to see the volume of deals you did and. Um, so right now with Optive, do they do, like I know it's the summer program for pests and all that, but like how do you guys do this structure now for solar? Is it like yeah. uh, blitz or like guys doing year round or how do you get structure now? We've gone a, away a little bit from the blitz program just because blitzes are, uh, they're good, but they're hard, right? Yeah. Um, they're high margin and uh, I guess low margin, high cost, right? So we have um, a summer program that, yeah, like you mentioned, Aptive has crushed the solar program for years. So we do a good job at that, but we've actually started opening up offices as well year round. So we have nine year round teams now too. Okay. So yeah. Cool. And so you've been out in Colorado the whole time doing it, right? Yeah, I actually live in Utah right now, though helping build and grow the the org. Um, I'm technically VP of Sales now at Active Solar, so that's been fun, really cool. And then I just help build the summer programs, and then I have teams in Colorado, Arizona. Um, North Carolina as well, and then yeah. we'll have a couple other teams go out for the summer. So yeah, okay, and yeah. fire. So yeah, for our listeners, tell them like uh, what were some of your struggles starting a team, and and I guess like tell us kind of what you grew it into and how they put you as VPSLs. Like how, yeah. how did that all go down? What do, what do you think were some of your struggles <laughs> in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was uh, you know, Active had a ton of experience in door to door, but none in solar and. Yeah. Really, the only people that switched, or I guess that helped start Active Solar, had only been doing solar for a couple of months. So none of us had hardly any experience, which is why I joined Knockstar, actually. I was like, I got to get some experience, some training from the top dogs. So really, the learning curve was just the hardest part, for sure. Um, It was, I believed in the project, or in the product. Solar is obviously a great product. I loved selling it. And it was my type of sale as well. Rather than just like bulldozing through objections, I was never really good at that kind of sale. But relationship-based selling and just educating customers, that that was my cup of tea. And so I picked it up semi-quickly, but getting people to pick it up quickly as well was really difficult in the beginning, right? Um, so that's why I was I listened to your guys' podcast. I listened to um, the door-knocking podcast, DDDU podcast. Like, I listened to everything, right? And then I just joined Knockstar uh, United finally when I was like, yeah, it's just worth it to get <laughs> and go from the culture. So getting that learning curve was the hardest part. Once we could start replicating the success that I was seeing, People started closing more deals. We learned how to get the setter closer model a little bit more nailed down. Last year, the volume was crazy compared to year one. I mean, the first year we had one little team in Denver. I think we got like 120 installs from that little team. And then last year, like just my Denver team alone in Denver South, we installed like 450 accounts. So just that one team alone, like almost tripled our year one volume. So, (laughs) So yeah, it was cool. It was yeah, really fun. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, we're at the uh, we're at Door to Door Con right now, and so you're getting your uh, Golden Door up there tomorrow. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so how, how many deals did you do? 132. So Jeez. right at the line. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Made it by the Skinner Teeth. Yes, sir. 
Oh. But that's when I got it, it was only at 100. So there you go. And, and I need to get back up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you did a ton. And I know most of that was just like in the summer, you're cranking yeah. like crazy, right? Yeah, I think I have like 16 or so installs from Blitzes before and after the summer, but everything else was summer. So yeah. Yeah, uh, incredible. I think June was like 47 or 48 sales in June. Yeah. And then it was like 35 plus every other month. So yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was a grind, but it was super yeah. fun. Yeah, super crazy fun. yeah because well i mean well yeah those of you listening know how hard it is most guys don't do this in a year and you cranked <laughs> out the majority of that in the summer so yeah incredible so for you uh do you like are you the type of person that likes going super hard for uh you know like summer or, uh what's your thoughts on like doing this whole like summer grind yeah. versus doing it year-round it's a lot i've actually transitioned a little bit more to more year-round so living in utah and selling in utah is a little different you got to get batteries involved all that stuff but it's it's actually been semi-successful, so I'll do more of a year-round now, but I do love the summer grind. I feel like it's a little nostalgic for me. Yeah. It's probably just better that I give my wife a break, you know, after, yeah. you know, <laughs> going on year eight of summer, moving yeah. out to a different market, all that stuff. Yeah. Everybody on our listening that has a spouse, you know what I'm talking about, but yeah. she's been awesome and really supportive, and so it's like, yeah, we can maybe do the year-round model and not be so crazy, but I'll have to travel a ton this summer as well, so yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah. But I do love the grind. I get obsessed. Um, I'm a very obsessive person, so for yeah. me, it's like I can put the blinders on and just go really hard for four months and I, I enjoy it yeah well I think that's a key trait of everyone I've seen in Knockstar like produce at a super high level and something that I try to do myself but I'm learning from you guys is just yeah you got to be obsessed like you know Grant Cardone says be be obsessed or be average and yeah like for you you're talking about all the stuff you did like listening to this podcast listening to all the other ones and yeah I listen to all those podcasts too and um, I think some people think I just do this podcast and I only listen to my own podcast but <laughs> I, like I listen to all these guys podcasts oh, and yeah. try to get in all these programs and it's like you take bits and pieces from all of it and I think it's part of being obsessed and then combining that with For just sure. like your work ethic it's yeah insane to see what, what you can accomplish so yeah pretty incredible and then um, as you were setting all this up so um, uh, what's what was like your recruiting? How did you recruit all these reps for the summer and yeah, all these guys coming on? Well, I kind of knew that you know once people kind of saw what was available in solar earnings wise or lifestyle wise, whatever, that they would be pretty intrigued. And so for me, it was, I really wanted to go out and like create the story of, hey, I went out and figured it out. I went out and helped other people figure it out. Come work with me, right? Um, and so that was a big motivating factor for me this last year. That was a big why of mine, right? Um, and that works really well. If you go out and sell at a high level, I mean, we watched Drew Hansen, right? He's just crushing it in sales. Um, um, it's kind of unfathomable. It's hard to imagine what how like, the volume that he actually does. But his organization did 20 million last year, yeah. which in pest control is ridiculous, right? So it just kind of goes to show if you can go out and prove yourself, couple that with some good recruiting effort, you'll you'll definitely grow your organization because people want to be around others that can help them elevate, right? Yeah. Um, so that was a big part of it. I think that helped a lot. I have awesome people that I work with who we create a cool culture. And uh, so it's, that makes it easier to recruit as well. But really just talking to everybody that you know about it. I feel like solar, for me at least, is an easier product to really be bought into. And I almost feel like an obligation to talk to people. Like I would hate to be the guy that is selling solar, making all this money, having an awesome experience with life. And then one of my buddies from high school is like, dude, I really wish you would have told me about solar, you know, at our 20 or 40 year yeah. reunion. <laughs> Um, so for me, it's like, yeah, 
I heard Melissa on a podcast. I think it was like on Mikey Lewis's podcast. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about that same thing. She's like, I just want to take as many people with me. And that was inspiring for me. And I want to do the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and that's true. I think guys forget about that. Like, I think that's probably the number one thing, though, is producing at a high level yourself, especially like if you're trying to bring people just watching and all that. For sure. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I just think of like Ricardo. I don't know if you met Ricardo, but he's getting his golden door tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ricardo yeah. Richie. And, yeah, he was on our team out in California. And um, he would get all, he produced at a super high level. He's, it's something ridiculous, like over 400 installs last so, year. That's <laughs> so crazy. But um, it's like, oh, he has all these setters because, yeah, he did have a massive team of setters. Yeah. But like the reason he does is because all these guys see all the money he's making. Yeah. And then he brings in setters. They make awesome money. And then it's just like a snowball effect. And they all come in. And then he's getting, you know, appointments set for him all day. So yeah. I'm thinking like, man, he just did that. He gets all these like leads fed to him and that. But like we can all do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like we kind of produce. And there's always like, like a little bit of a negative, uh, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but there's a negative connotation sometimes with like, oh, that guy doesn't really go out and self-gen as much. He sets and he gets all these leads. And if you look at it, what I've found is the guys who get the most appointments, it's because number one, they've either recruited the most setters or they're the best closers. And so everybody wants them to close their deals, right? And you either got to, in my short two-year experience in solar, you either got to, yeah, go out really hard and recruit a bunch of really good setters and then deliver for them, or you got to be a lights-out closer. Yeah. Um, because I've even seen people who recruited setters, but if they weren't closing their deals very well, then they're like, well, I don't know if I want that guy closing my deals, right? So, yeah, yeah it's funny because same thing. I've found myself this summer. I had a kid on my team that was just crushing it, and there was a few times I was like, dang, I'm kind of jealous he's getting a little more leads than I am. Yeah. But he was a lights-out closer, and he had recruited a few more of them. And so, yeah, yeah. it just goes to show. So, well, what do I do? I got to go recruit more, or I got to sell better. Yeah. <laughs> got to prove yourself. Yeah. yeah. And um, well, speaking of like recruiting all these people, when you get a bunch of new setters coming in, do you have any tips on like training all these guys? Kind of like that's the other thing. People bringing all, this, all these setters, and they're all complaining like, oh, my setters aren't like producing. I'm not getting yeah. leads and stuff. So, how did you uh, like, I don't know, get all your guys trained, and how do you balance that with like going out and like self channeling and stuff? Yeah. Any advice on tips on, on that? Um, two things. First, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're getting their setters trained is they jump right into like, hey, here's the script, memorize the script, and just like become, you know, in a way they teach them to become a little bit of a robot. Yeah. And obviously they need to memorize a, a presentation. They have to have a foundation. But the first thing that I found that helps setters do well is I sell them on solar uh, really hard. And I make them believe in what they're doing. And I think that if you do a good job at selling your people on the product that they're going to be selling, the conviction's there, and then everything else that they have to learn afterwards, it comes a little bit easier. Right? They understand the product. And I think that a lot of times we get lost in the fact that we've been in the industry for semi-new, but some people have been in solar for five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah. They know it like the back of their hand, but these new guys, they really don't understand it at all. They're like a homeowner, right? Yeah. And so once they understand it, now learning the presentation, learning how to overcome objections, it becomes really intuitive for them, yeah. right? That's the first thing that I think a lot of people overlook. It's good. Um, and I really believe in killing two birds with one stone. So like if I'm going to go out, I need to get my self-gens in. I want to close deals that are self-gens, not only because it proves a point that I still got it in me, right? But also they're more lucrative. Um, taking my reps out and knocking with them instead of just going out and self-genning, I think is a great way as a manager to kill those two birds, right? I can go get my self-gen deals. My reps are watching me. They're watching how it's done, teaching yeah. them a proper appointment, things like, you know, 
hey, we, we want you to get utility bills. Well, I'll show you how to get a utility bill, right? right? Things like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I love that too, because especially for guys that have been in, like, you know, I've been doing this six years and easy for uh, guys like myself to like get lazy and not want to go out there. But the, the way to not get lazy is like go train a rep because oh, if you don't want to be here, like you're going to show up yourself. Definitely. So whenever I'm filmed, like not getting out there, that's one of the best ways I force myself to get out there. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, come shadow me in. And then, um, yeah, and then if I have reps that are experienced, I know I need to recruit more new people in and yeah. <laughs> get them on the door. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I think that's fire. And then what about like closing? Do you guys have a structure like people set? And then, because I know some companies, they try to get people to stay setters forever. So what's your guys, um, what's been like your strategy with that, like balancing it and yeah. helping guys feel like they can progress? How do you, how do you guys transition like setter closer and how do you balance yeah. all that? For us, it's it's less about. I mean, I think there are definitely some uh, benchmarks that they should hit before they should just go into closing. Like I think every good closer is first a really good setter. Yeah. Especially if you know in the beginning of their closing career. They're going to be doing a lot of self-gens. Like, they're not going to do that unless they're a good setter, right? I had this conversation with a kid yesterday. He's like, oh, I don't want to set. I'm just going to close. I'm like, well, just so you understand, like, the best closers are the best setters. So we got to teach you how to set first, right? (laughs) Um, But I do think that having a little bit more of an open mind as far as, like, what's the best situation for that rep rather than just, like, hey, you need to close 25 deals before you can start closing, right? Right. Um, If it takes one kid a month to get 25 closes and another person a year to get 25 closes, well, maybe that person that took a year shouldn't be closing yet and that person who got 25 in a month maybe they should start closing sooner right so especially with us when we were newer I think we had to sometimes make the transition a little bit too early and I found that that hurt people more than it helped them yeah so as a manager I try to be a little bit more like hey what's the best situation for this rep Um, Danny Pessy talked about it one time and it couldn't be any more spot on but don't underestimate like the job of a setter if you look at the time between those two jobs like a setter should only take like 15 to 20 minutes <laughs> versus a closer three to I don't know 12 weeks sometimes depending on how much time they have to spend babysitting that account yeah. and so but they can still make you know a lot of cases either 50 50 splits or 60 40 worst case scenario yeah we had a girl on our team last year who absolutely crushed it she was the top rep in the company and so yeah. shout out to all the female knockers out there you guys have such a huge advantage on these boys you just gotta go crush them yeah. <laughs> um, but she one time had myself, my brother, and our other top closer all in an appointment at the same time, closing three deals for her. And between that same period of 8 and 9 p.m., she set three more appointments, two of which also got closed. So in one hour, she's closing five deals, essentially. If she's out self-genning, there's no way that happens. So for her, she's so good at setting. And you see people like, you know, Matt Cruz out there with Pierce setting ridiculous. And he's been in solar for like three years now. And he's not like, you know, the egotist, I have to be closing. Like setting can be a phenomenal job. People sometimes have this like, I have to close. But if they just nailed setting and mastered setting, those guys that are setting at the highest level are making a lot more than most closers in the industry, which is crazy. I know. So Yeah, so I think we got I think that's a stigma we got to get out of the industry is like setting is like the, I don't know, working at McDonald's for (laughs) solar. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's setters making a lot of times more than closers. And um, and I think it's kind of like identifying what you're good at, too. Because, yeah. like, yeah, we have a similar guy on my team where he just knows that he's, like, better at setting. And yeah. he's making more money doing that. Exactly. And then, like, you can always test it. So I think, you know, you can always try it. But, um, like, you go try closing. And a lot of times people, like, 
force it and then they're making less. Right. That's I've seen so many reps like fell in this industry is because they try to force closing. It's not going as well. Then they're not making any money. So there's right. like, oh, well, solar must not be f- for me anymore. Yeah. Where it's like maybe if they would have stayed setting or at least setting longer and made a slower transition. Exactly. But yeah, is that something that you guys do is kind of like identify if someone's or, or I don't know if you deal with that where guys like, oh, I want to close. I want to close. Do you have anything like had to like say no? Look, yeah. you're making all this money setting, but not make them feel like you're just trained to right. keep them demoted or anything. I think it's actually, it's crazy, but um, today I learned a great lesson from Jimmy Rex where he talks about if people feel like they, like you as a leader, care more about them than the dollar amount associated with them, like you can do anything as a leader essentially and like yeah. they trust you and you have to actually feel that way, right? Yeah. And so I think if you actually do come across like I'm really trying to help you make the most money possible rather than I just want to keep you in setting, I think people can f- really feel the difference, right? Yeah. Like if someone is crushing it in setting but you just don't want them to start closing because you want to keep staying off the doors, yeah. it's like that obviously is like they're going to see through that. But if it's someone that's like, hey, I just really want to close and you can kind of show them, well, you're crushing it and setting. I think there's some things that we need to work on before I feel super confident in you going out and closing. Yeah. Then, you know, it's it's more based on you looking out for them as a leader rather than just trying to keep them doing your job for you, right? Yeah. But it doesn't, sure. like you said, it doesn't it doesn't serve anybody to go from setting and making some money to then going and self-jetting and making zero dollars and you'll yeah. probably end up losing that rep, which is a super yeah. sad situation because the opportunity was just tainted by a poor judgment on the leader's part you know yeah yeah it's a good point well uh, yeah something i wanted to transition to before we kind of start wrapping up here tanner um like i was talking about earlier something i've seen in you and these high producers you guys can just turn it on and do like you know 40 plus deals in a month and push <laughs> super hard and so how do you uh and now you, you came from like a didn't you do college wrestling and stuff like that a little bit yeah okay. yeah yeah so you got that res i got my uh black guy here from uh, i know i was gonna say that that black guy looks nice on you dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. for, the, for the listeners, it's a it's a good shiner. But, uh, I keep telling people it was uh, on the doors, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I guess I yeah, I guess I need to get better at jujitsu. <laughs> keep getting beat up in there. Have to challenge you to a match. Or Absolutely, you got to teach me teach a few me. things. Yeah, we'll throw it down here. I love this it. Podcast. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so like for you, you got a sports background, and that's something I've seen in a lot of high producers yeah. too. Is you got like super competitive sports background a lot of times. So are you a pretty competitive person? Would you say that, super competitive? Okay. Yeah, I hate losing. Um, Alex Ramosi talked about it. I've heard about. I've heard it before as well. But he talks about there's two people uh, in competition. There's the people who just love winning more than anything, and so they pursue winning with all they have. And there's the people that hate losing more than anything, and so they just you know winning isn't even that satisfying for them. It's more of like a relief. They just hate losing, and that's definitely me. Like I just hate, hate losing. Okay. Um, like getting this golden door, for example. I set out that I was going to do it, and like it's. I'm excited. Obviously, I'm yeah. proud of myself. But like it's more of like a. It's a relief that I didn't like lose, <laughs> um, and I re- and I refuse to lose in like what I try to do. But yeah. obviously, I still take my L's every once in a while. But yeah. wrestling definitely helped me with that. Yeah. Um, and I think turning it on as well, just like being able to like tap into that competitive side. Yeah. Um, every time I had a big month, we were in some type of competition. You know what yeah. I mean? So that, those things work for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. And yeah, competition, it's something I think about all the time. Like, how do you make, how do you get people to be more competitive? All that. So it's like, yeah. I don't know, do you guys have anything you do over Aptive? Like, or maybe tips in running competitions or stuff to help guys be 
more competitive and yeah. get that. Because you know how some guys are just like, oh, I'm not that competitive a person. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. yeah, maybe they shouldn't be in sales then. But I don't know if you have right. advice of like how to make people more competitive or like yeah. run better competitions, stuff like that. Take it back a step. I think the, the first thing that I do is in my recruiting meetings or like my interviews with people, one of the questions I ask them every single time is the best sales reps and the people that we're looking for to fill spots on this team um, have three qualities. They, they're competitive, first and foremost, they're, they're uh, optimistic, and they're hardworking, right? And so like, I go over those three things, and I really actually do listen to, that I follow up the question with, what in your life has made you, you know, competitive, optimistic, and hardworking? And I like the hardworking, and I like the optimistic side, but those two things, I can't really tell if they're 100% true until I actually know the person, right? But through experiences that they share with me about what has made them competitive in life, I usually can tell if they actually are competitive or not. And frankly, if there's someone that's like, I'm just not a very competitive person, um, <laughs> I honestly don't have a huge desire to work with them. <laughs> just because that's sure. not how I work. I don't have anything against them. But if I'm going to work with them, it's hard. It's like I don't understand that person very well. Um, and so um, that's one of the biggest things that I actually look for in filling as a team. But you know, you always have people that either, you know, the competition just don't motivate them that much anymore. And I think that starting um, before the summer starts or, you know, as you're building your team and like kind of establishing your values on your team, like, hey, we want to go win the competitions that we have this summer, yeah. for example. These are them. Let's lay them out. We have goals as a team to go win these, like getting you guys bought in early. Mm-hmm. So that's not like a week before the competition. You're like, hey, yeah. let's try to spark something. And you kind of like keep it in the back of their head. You put up the poster in, in the office of like, hey, this competition's coming up in July. Yeah. You know, and um, so last year our team actually lost in the semifinals, and we were like dominating everybody the whole summer, but we lost in the semis, and we were like devastated. And that was actually my favorite thing about the competition is how devastated they were, because it it showed me that they cared. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, but it, and it drove a lot of competition. So anyway, sorry to go on a tangent, but recruiting and like building a team off competitions, and then just like reminding them and getting the team bought in on it, you create a culture where it's like it's not cool to not be competitive does that make sense yeah no that's good yeah and i think yeah i think that's key just like planning it because i see all the time guys try to throw a competition like the day before yeah but yeah the most successful ones i see them like you know promote not in social media they got the posters they like talking about it oh yeah getting guys ready so i think that helps a ton and um, taylor released his competition schedule for like all of 2023 yeah (laughs) you know he's like boom here it is look forward to it you know i think that helped a lot so yeah Yeah. well and then yeah when your whole team's bought in too it's like they're almost gonna force the people who maybe aren't as competitive to be that way because like i remember like to be honest i was getting a little like not as competitive with the knockstar stuff going on yeah and um then like I, I was on the winning team just yeah, you're on Melissa's team yeah that we won yeah. and I was like yeah I mean I should have cared more about it but I'm just like uh, whatever but then um, I saw that like they actually needed me to produce they're like texting me like hey what do you got on the schedule like what's going on I'm like oh shoot they actually like need me to go yeah <laughs> I wasn't even really thinking about this before and it worked and so I'm like <laughs> oh well and then yeah my uh, maybe we still would have won but I put in a deal like I was on you know west coast like the last possible hour and all oh. that it. And that ended up being like the difference maker, even though there's people that did way more deals than me, but like my one deal. So I mean, that's another thing. Yeah. If you have your whole team bought in, then they're going to almost like drag the other people yeah. by the feet probably and be like, no, let's go out there and win this thing. And there always will be that one or like, you know, one or two people that like just either don't really care that much or they're, they're kind of burnt out or whatever else. But yeah, that team aspect of lifting up everybody, it helps. Yeah. And yeah, 
the yeah. Nelson have Taylor. I remember when you threw that deal and it was like super late and they sent a screenshot of the Chad, they were just blowing it up. And so, yeah, they did awesome. That, those two teams that week, they proved, I mean, it was, it was like December. It was like the week before yeah. Christmas and you guys threw in like 57 accounts or something like that. It was yeah, nuts. It was so it just, it proved to me, I was like, and a lot of those people were knocking in Colorado where it's snowing. Yeah. And uh, that was motivating for me to see that competition will really pull some crazy stuff out of people. Yeah. All for a trip with Tom Hopkins, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Glad I got to be on the team. So. That's sick. Yeah, but yeah, man. Well, no, it's been awesome having you on the podcast today. I'm excited to see you uh, speak tomorrow. So, Absolutely. Um, gonna hear even more. Probably talk about that. But yeah, as um, just to kind of like wrap up here for guys that want to start like running set or closer model and like getting that cranking. Like, how do you? I guess some advice on like managing the team. How did? How do you like get people to step into leadership and? Yeah. Do you have any like tips on like you know getting leadership cranking and not letting stuff kind of fall off? Because especially if you're doing like summer, because sounds like you have some that are more summer and then summer yeah. year-round offices. Okay. One of the biggest things that I would give out as advice is don't underestimate the importance of an assistant. <laughs> we hired an assistant just to help manage um, like lead delegation, for example. Okay. Um, saved us so much time and headache that we could just focus on what we were really good at, which was recruiting new setters if we needed to, but mainly training and selling, right? Nice. And so I didn't have to worry about, oh my gosh, I got to go, you know, delegate these appointments out to my closers and whatever else. Like that was all done. And so I could focus and my leaders on my team could focus on the tasks that was more important for us, right? Um, I think that assistant costs like 1500 bucks per month or maybe it was like three grand per month or something like that and easiest investment I'll ever make again, right? So huge, huge, huge um, having that assistant helped. And then I think just having clear roles Mm -hmm. as far as like who people can go to uh, for extra training, who people can go to for like shouting on the doors, um, making sure that the setters are just so taken care of and they know how to succeed brings up the whole morale of the entire team. Like we always would say that the setters were the lifeblood of the organization. You got to treat them like that, like wine and dine them, set up sweet incentives. like our incentive budget this year on my team, like 95% of it was setters and like maybe 5% closers. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, closers were just stoked to be able to have deals yeah. that they could go close. And these setters, we just focused all of our effort on, yeah. on on them as far as that goes. But then also, obviously, you have to have a healthy balance because if your setters are, the, you know, world-class setters, but they have terrible closers coming behind them, yeah. nothing happens. Yeah. So we, we worked really hard on making sure that there was a high level, um, well, I guess a high standard for who could go close deals well and once you have a good synchronization between really good setters and really good closers yeah like in four months like I mentioned that Colorado team popped off like 450 installs and um, it's phenomenal to watch it was really cool but uh, to get started you know you have to build a team that has a specific uh, focus and goal and that goal is to produce a ton of volume and sometimes people have to be role players yeah. I think one of the things that was maybe a little bit difficult last summer was some of the guys on the team weren't weren't closing that well during certain times and ser- seasons like during competition for example like hey this week we're probably not going to have you closing deals like we're going to be self-genning and they were like not offended by that they were understanding yeah. because they had already been set beforehand like hey these are the standards right and as that happened, they weren't frustrated with the fact that they were no longer closing. Yeah. Um, 
they were team players. So yeah. you're forming a, a different type of team, but it's it's really rewarding, and you can get a ton of volume if you do it right. So yeah. we're talking about it more tomorrow. I'll give you more secrets yeah. there. Yeah, we'll do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. sure Come the door to door con. Yeah, <laughs> miss out. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I love about the organization stuff though, because I've been on teams where the setters are like, there's confusion around who's going to their deals. Yeah. There's confusion on like there's like distrust that they even showed up to the appointment. Yeah. They're like, oh, that that lead was super solid. That was like in the bag. Yeah. And then the closer saying they went to it, but it wasn't there or whatever. Yeah. And then just like fights back and forth. Yeah. So like it creates yeah just a nightmare situation when the setters don't trust the closer and then right. not organized. So I like that a lot. I think that's a huge key in all this. Is just, trust is huge too. Yeah, one thing sense. actually really fast just to touch on that. I think one thing that helped a lot people shy away from this and I think this is super important a lot of people will shy away from like sending a confirmation text that day to confirm the appointment with the homeowner because yeah. they're like oh I'm just not going to text them because then they might cancel right. and it's like I looked at cancellations as a good thing because it opened up the opportunity for a same day or time where I could go knock with a rep and I'd rather find out beforehand that that customer is either not going to be home yeah. or like is not interested enough to do it and obviously you know try to save the appointment don't just yeah. roll over and die right <laughs> but yeah. it actually opens up the opportunity for higher quality and that actually helped maximize our volume there were so many days when we had a full schedule and because we would text out all the appointment or all the customers to try to verify maybe half of them fell off and we're like shoot yeah. that's crazy but then we'd go get five or six same days yeah. and that is so much more valuable sure. so sometimes people are like oh I don't want to I don't want to text people because I don't want to lose the deal it opens up another door for sure so yeah. be strict with that right make okay. sure that that happens and I think that helps especially when you get into high volume situations where your schedule's packed yeah. you got to trim some of the fat to open up yeah. opportunities so no doubt. Well, so is it always text or do you sometimes call them or you guys are so always texting them? Uh, sometimes we call them but I think we just set the expectation with the homeowner at the time of setting the appointment uh, that hey we're going to text, text you that day okay. just to make sure that you're still good um, because obviously you know we're working with a lot of homeowners out here and we want to make sure everybody gets Gets, you know, gets visited, yeah. um, and then you do need to coach your reps on how to text because yeah. there's a right way and a wrong way. It's like, yeah. hey, do you happen to, you know, potentially, hopefully, still, <laughs> you know, want us to come over today? It's like, no, definitely don't text that. Right? Yeah. Be strategic. Um, assume, assume the appointment still, okay. but it's more of like a, you know, send me a thumbs up that that time still works for you, right? And okay. and um, if you do the correct text script, you'll actually get people that maybe we're gonna forget about their appointment. They're like, oh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be there, right? So. Yeah, okay, that's good. And so all the reps, all the setters will text yeah. the customers, okay? Yeah. Because I've heard some people doing it where they have like their office person like sending yeah. all the text to them. They're yeah. the same ones. And then if they don't confirm, so you guys would still go to those appointments, but just kind of like prioritize ones that yeah, confirmed. Yeah, they, like we definitely prioritize the ones that confirmed. And sometimes like if they never confirmed um, and we were double booked or triple booked, we'd just be like, hey, go back by the house today at some point and yeah. try to reset it, right? And that, that worked actually a lot. They'd go by the house and reset the appointment and for the next day or whatever. Yeah. So, okay. And people were usually pretty understanding because the rep was like, well, I told you that I was going to text you and then we didn't get a confirmation so we couldn't come by today, but we can come by tomorrow, right? Right? People are usually pretty chill when yeah. it's all about expectations, you know? Yeah, but, true. Yeah. It's good. Well, good stuff, man. Well, yeah, I can't wait to hear you speak tomorrow. And then uh, for people that want to connect more with you from this podcast, Tanner, what's the best way to reach out and yeah. connect with you more? I'm super open. I love uh, I love the abundance that the 
industry has taken on. People aren't yeah. afraid to go talk anymore and you know share their secrets and stuff. I love that we're all learning from each other. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember listening to you be like, I went from you know having 50 bucks in my bank account to closing over 150 solar deals, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, things like that helped me do it. So yeah. I'm super open to whoever. I mean, you can. DM me on Instagram and get my phone number. I'm Tanner L. Williams on Instagram. Sweet. Um, I'm on Facebook, whatever. So Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll hit him up. And then uh, for our solopreneur is listening, shoot Tanner a DM and let him know you got some value from today's podcast. Shoot him a thank you. And then before we wrap up, any, uh, I don't know, final advice or final words of wisdom you'd give to our uh, listeners here, Tanner? Yeah, last thing I would say, the thing that I've seen uh, make a huge difference in a lot of people's production or just leveling up in life in general right now is you see these big things about like everybody going doing cold plunges. Um, I don't think you need to do cold plunges necessarily, but go do something that challenges you. Like find something that's scary and do it. Um, I think over the last couple of years, I started doing like um, triathlons and Ironmans. Yeah, so I've I've done a few of those now. And things like that just build your mental toughness and, you know, looking at golden door last year that's a pretty daunting task because if you're looking at like a big mountain right 130 installs um but going and doing those things and then you know all of a sudden work becomes easy (laughs) and uh that's the biggest thing that i think a lot of people in the industry do well that are high performers and that's like one key step that i think took my my sales game to the next level is challenging myself outside of just work yeah and uh it's super gratifying so go do something hard today yeah that's awesome yeah and i think even more important in solar because well yeah you've probably seen so many like i think so out of all the door-to-door industries i think solar there's more lazy people oh yeah it's like like, let's be honest we can go knock for a couple hours and probably still make six figures in a year pretty easy so complacency man it'll be the it'll destroy a lot of people's careers if they don't look out for it but on the flip side if they just act with a little bit of urgency they'll become millionaires so it's crazy it's a thin line too much money in solar i guess seriously stop paying it so much (laughs) well tanner thanks again for coming on thank you uh, we can do a follow-up podcast someday again and uh yeah appreciate you and we'll be uh be in touch with everything absolutely thank you man Hey, solopreneurs, are you sick and tired of spinning your wheels every month and not seeing your sales increase? Well, so was I, and the truth is I was never able to improve it until I figured out what was going wrong. So that's why I'm excited to announce for a limited time, we are doing a free sales diagnostic. We'll break down your sales process, figure out the holes in your business, and see how we can help you improve. So act now, we have six bucks for this month. So book a call now, don't miss out. What you're gonna do is send an email to taylor at solarpreneurs.com. That's taylor at solarpreneurs with an S.com. I'll send you out a calendar link and we will figure out a time that works best. So shoot that email and let's increase your sales.